Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. Gone are the days when China invested vast amounts of capital in Europe. While China's FDI in Europe increased in comparison to last year, it remained on a multi-year downward trajectory. Globally, the growth of Chinese FDI stalled and remained at roughly the same amount as the year before, about 100 billion euros. Hello, my name is Johannes Heller-Jonen. To talk about the current state and ongoing trends in Chinese FDI in Europe, I'm joined by Gregor Sebastian, analyst at Merix and co-author of the recent report on Chinese foreign direct investment in Europe, published in cooperation with Rodium Group and Merix. Welcome to the podcast, Gregor. Thanks, Johannes. Thanks for having me. To start off, Gregor, could you give us the key takeaways of the report we just published? Of course. Um, so you already mentioned, actually, two of them in your introduction. First of all, if we look at the outbound investment from China to the rest of the world, here we can actually see that Chinese outbound FDI basically didn't budge. It stayed roughly at the same level as in 2020, which was due to the COVID pandemic an exceptionally weak year. This is also in stark contrast, for instance, to the global FDI trends that actually recovered um, and also went beyond the 2019 levels. When looking at China's uh, foreign direct investment in Europe, though, here we can actually notice that there was an increase from the previous year. However, if you look at the long-term trend, we can see, and you mentioned this in your introduction already, that Chinese FDI also in Europe uh, remained on a multi-year downward trajectory. And then finally, just a couple of other key findings include the share of SOE investment in Europe, which declined further. And we've also identified a couple of key trends related to greenfield investment, which has reached heights that we haven't seen before, and also venture capital investment, which more than doubled compared to previous years. We'll talk about uh, venture capital and greenfield investments later on, but you just mentioned that global FDI stayed at the same level. The FDI, the Chinese overseas foreign direct investment in Europe uh, is on a downward trajectory. What are the explanations for this? Why is Chinese foreign direct investment slowing down or even uh, retreating? So I think in 2020, so if we if we take, take a step back and look at the previous year, so I think here it was a global trend that FDI especially mergers and acquisitions, but also um, greenfield investment really plummeted. And this is because there were global restrictions on on travel, both in Europe, uh, the US and other parts of the world. In 2021, though, I think what we have seen is that travel, while not being easy, has, um, has become easier for a lot of stakeholders involved. China, though, has been a major exception to that trend. While we noticed this most problematically when, when uh, people want to travel into China. This is also an issue for Chinese companies that want to, for instance, do due diligence processes abroad and then uh, face difficulties uh, getting back into the country. So travel is a, is a major issue. The second problem is that China has ongoing capital controls, right? So this is not really a, a change from the last two or three years, but this is probably the main reason, uh, and, and maybe we'll get into that a bit more later, why Chinese investment has not recovered and is staying um, more or less level. And finally, also what we think might be a, a third reason is that in this boom of um, M&A activities in 2021, Chinese buyers were sometimes at a disadvantage purely because uh, they were maybe not able to take the same amount of cash in the hand or um, just were less experienced than their counterparts. 
The investments that we saw in Europe, are they evenly spread among different sectors or are there certain sectors that receive the bulk of the investments? So in Europe, um, because the level of investment was relatively low, right? So we have a total of 10.6 billion, which is higher than the previous year, as, as we've mentioned before, but is still very far away from the um, heights that we've seen in 2016 and 17. It is actually quite difficult to really identify any strong trends. So the strongest sector was consumer goods, but this is basically entirely due to one transaction, and that is Hillhouse Capital, um, a private equity firm, taking over the household branch of Philips in the Netherlands. So that is a 3.6, 3.7 billion transaction. So that makes it really difficult to actually um, identify clear sectoral trends. The next two biggest sectors would be automotive. And this is um, a trend that we've been seeing for a couple of years. Automotive has always been a relatively strong sector of investment, particularly in Germany. Um, what's different this year is that this is driven primarily by greenfield investments by Chinese battery producers in Germany, France, but also the UK. And the third biggest sector after consumer goods and automotive would be the medical equipment and, and uh, biotech sector. And here we've seen a, a couple of big transactions in Finland and also in Germany. Do we know whether the last section on, on uh, medical equipment whether that has increased uh, during the pandemic and is related to that, or is that also a general trend that has been ongoing for, for longer? I mean, the medtech equipment sector is obviously a strategic sector for China. So it is also one of the sectors, for instance, that is mentioned in Made in China 2025. This is definitely not completely new. But um, looking at some of the specific transactions in that sector, and also because this took place during 2021, not 2020, so it has been um, a while in the making, I think there are some links. So I think in Germany, a startup that is building ECMO machines that are vital to also keep uh, patients with uh, coronavirus pandemics um, alive has been bought. Um, and that is clearly pointing towards China um, wanting to acquire expertise in, in in this particular field that is also related to the pandemic. Just mentioned uh, Made in China 2025. Chinese investment in, in certain sectors is not necessarily driven by or only by corporate interests that see uh, like chance for growth, um, but it's also and maybe even primarily sometimes driven by political considerations uh, of the Chinese government that um, chose certain sectors for the development of its economy um, and, and gave them out as priority. Could you go a bit deeper into that just to, to give context to some listeners that maybe are not too familiar with that? Yeah, so because China is basically adhering to quite strict capital controls, it is actually quite difficult for a company in China to um, have a transaction or undergo a transaction overseas that is not at least facilitated by the government, right? The government ultimately, unless the company in question would have uh, considerable capital overseas already, uh, would need to approve that transaction. So, I mean, there you can definitely see a link also to the Chinese government. 
It would, however, be probably a too strong statement to say that every Chinese um, investment is is driven by political considerations. I think they definitely do feature in those investments. But I think what we see is that, um, for instance, when we when we later talk about greenfield investments, these are just some sectors where Chinese companies are internationally competitive and they're looking for market opportunities abroad. That this is also playing into what the Chinese government um, ultimately wants to um, help Chinese uh, companies to to go out and expand globally is is true. Um, But these are ultimately also private interests by those companies. To wrap up our uh, review of the report and before we go into uh, the trends uh, on uh, greenfield and venture capital investments, um, maybe we can have a quick look at the countries that we're invested in. Is there also a trend to be seen which areas of Europe are favored by investors uh, and has this maybe shifted over time? So what we can see here, I've already mentioned that uh, the Hill House Capital um, acquisition of, of the uh, Philips Home Appliances business uh, was kind of a, a mega deal. So it was uh, roughly one third of total investment in Europe. So that has definitely shifted the balance and and we in that report kind of group investment by regions so we have the three big um, economies of Europe uh, which are France Germany and UK so we include UK in, in our report here then we have Benelux and Benelux was was the biggest single recipient and this is almost entirely due to that one deal after that we also see very strong investment in France Germany and UK that sort of investment has been relatively robust over the last few years, actually. So especially the UK has historically seen the the largest share of Chinese investment in Europe, but also Germany and France have historically been quite strong. Um, who, Who received less investment this year has particularly been Eastern Europe. So last year, and once again, I'm pointing towards that dynamic of single very large transactions. So last year, there was a a big logistics company that was taken over in, I think, Poland. And that really shifted the balance in terms of Eastern Europe uh, receiving a large proportion of the investment. And this year, we didn't have that single transaction that really pushed Eastern Europe to the top. So that has meant that compared to the previous year, Eastern Europe, uh, for instance, only received 4% of Chinese investment. The years of being dominated by mergers and acquisitions, Chinese investment in Europe has become more focused on greenfield projects this year. These reached a record value of 3.3 billion in 2021. What do you make of this trend? So in terms of greenfield investment, uh, to to give a short explanation, so greenfield um, investment differs from uh, mergers and acquisitions in, in terms of that it's a parent company in, in, in China, for instance, that creates a subsidiary in Europe. Um, so it's building production facilities, offices or buildings just in general on the ground. And that is usually also seen more favorably by the host country, because obviously this is building something new. Right. So this is uh, potentially creating new jobs that haven't been there before. So what we've seen in 2021 is that this is a quite noticeable change from previous years, where, as you said, M&A transactions have dominated the picture. We would also hesitate and and say this is still quite a fragile trend. And and the reason for that is that while uh, Greenfield investment is actually up 51 percent from the previous year and has reached 3.3 million, so that is roughly 
30% of the total investment, it is largely driven by just a handful of uh, projects. And also it's only two sectors really where Chinese companies are active uh, in, in terms of greenfield investment. The, the main one would be the automotive sector. Uh, what we can see here is that Chinese firms, including CATL, the, the biggest battery producer globally, but also smaller ones like um, Svolt in, in Germany um, and other greenfield projects in, in France and the UK. Um, so these are companies that have become quite competitive in the Chinese market and are now looking for opportunities to tap into growth markets overseas. And obviously Europe is really looking um, to increase the share of electric vehicles that are being sold. So this is a opportunity that the Chinese companies are, are looking for. The second sector would be the ICT sector. And here we actually only have two major projects that we can identify. One of them is uh, ByteDance, who's the parent company of TikTok and is building a data center in the European Union in, in Ireland, basically to comply with the quite strict data regulations, um, for instance, GDPR, and, and is therefore investing in, in local capacity. And the second one would be Huawei's uh, very big um, R&D center in, in Cambridge in UK, where Huawei is also looking to tap into Europe's innovation system. Maybe one, one other aspect would be that particularly for the automotive sector, we can see that this is actually a global trend. So Europe is certainly at the heart of uh, Chinese greenfield investment for the moment. But we also see that uh, Chinese battery companies are investing in Japan, um, and are also looking to invest in North America, for instance. You mentioned that you think this is a fragile trend. So that begs the question, do you see any signs that this trend will continue or is it likely to just collapse and, and retreat again? So because of the way that we measure um, greenfield investment, basically from the time that um, the uh, construction of the project begins until the construction is completed, um, Greenfield investment is probably going to keep flowing for at least another um, one or two years because a lot of these projects have actually only been initiated in 2020 or 2021, particularly the battery plants in, in the UK and France. So this investment is, is going to keep going for a while. However, when we look at new projects in the pipeline, there isn't really all that much happening. So we have reports about one additional um Chinese battery producer planning to build a subsidiary in, in Hungary. But apart from that, we don't really see that many new projects on the horizon. And also, these are ultimately two sectors, right? And when we look, for instance, at electric vehicle batteries, there are a number of reports um, out that actually estimate that the current announced capacity for 2030 is already enough to actually satisfy all the demand in Europe. So technically, uh, from a commercial point of view, Greenfield investment is probably going to become less likely over the coming years. It could obviously be a possibility that over the coming months and years, we will see new sectors where Chinese companies um, are investing in greenfield projects in Europe that are not electric vehicle batteries or not related to the ICT sector. Um, as of yet, we don't really see any indication of this happening, but this could definitely take place, particularly if um, this, this current system of uh, globalization, obviously, of uh, open flows of trade is um, further questioned, right? So Chinese companies uh, partly are also building greenfield plants because they want to jump over future hurdles related to um, 
for instance, trade barriers. Um, so if this is uh, becoming more entrenched over the coming years, it could be the case that Chinese, for instance, car producers are also building greenfield plants in the European Union. As mentioned before, another aspect of the investments that has seen some attention was venture capital. Those investments are pouring into European tech startups, for example. In 2021, Chinese uh, venture capital investments in Europe are more than doubled to a record level of 1.2 billion. Um, as you can see, the scope is like one third of Greenfield investments, but still compared to years before, it is uh, a record high. The investment was concentrated in the UK and Germany and focused on a handful of sectors, including e-commerce, uh, financial technologies, gaming, artificial intelligence, and robotics. Why do we see such a market increase here? And again, is this trend also likely to continue? Mm. So first of all, so venture capital is a different form of financing or investment than um, FDI. And this is also the first time that we've actually included it in this um, report, partly because it is really showing a noticeable uptick compared to previous years. So venture capital is usually provided by funds, um, but also companies to startups or um, other types of emerging companies. So what we can identify are three distinct trends. So first of all, the number and volume of venture capital in the European Union has increased uh, considerably from 2020 to 2021. European venture capital investment has actually gone up by 120% um, and has now reached 100 billion euros. So if you look at that number, Chinese venture capital is actually underperforming. So while it has doubled in size, it actually remained below the um, growth trend overall for the sector. The second interesting trend that we've seen is that Beijing's tech policy has also shaped Chinese venture capital in two ways. So first of all, we obviously have what we've already mentioned before. There are a, a certain number of highlighted sectors that are marked, for instance, in the 14-5-year plan that include robotics, um, electric vehicles, batteries, and AI. And those areas have actually seen greater investment. For instance, we have a major venture capital investment by CIC Capital in Norfolk, which is one of the biggest European electric vehicle battery providers. We also have seen investments by um, Tencent, for instance, in medtech companies that that would also fit under this trend and the second trend would be that beijing is also restricting certain technologies domestically this has for instance affected um, consumer tech but also fintech companies and because those companies still have that expertise but might lack the the market in china now to really leverage um, their know-how they're looking uh, to tap into overseas markets and one interesting example would, for instance, be the gaming sector, which has seen an uptick in, in Chinese investment because um, in, in the summer last year, China basically strictly regulated uh, the gaming sector for, for miners, uh, which has obviously also curtailed um, business opportunities for uh, companies in that sector, which are now looking overseas. And the final point would be, so apart from the general uptick of investment and the kind of tech policy from Beijing, would be that venture capital is less regulated in terms of who can invest where. Um, so, and this is partly due to the 
uh, specific nature of the sector, right? It is very fast moving. Companies also don't own the company. So this is different from like um, mergers and acquisitions. When Tencent uh, invests into a startup, that doesn't mean that Tencent then owns that company. But Europe is really open um, to venture capital investment. This is also in, in stark contrast, for instance, to the United States or India, which are also screening that type of investment, uh, especially when it comes from Chinese companies. Um, in terms of um, venture capital investments in the year ahead, to be honest, we don't really know. So one one critical aspect is obviously that we have uh, a lot of uncertainty in the year ahead, both in terms of activities in China regarding the lockdown, but also the war in Ukraine. So this could point towards uh, venture capital investment going down because capital is looking for um, safer assets. On the other hand, the fact that venture capital investment in Europe has reached record numbers in 2021 is also pointing towards Europe kind of cementing its position as a very attractive place for venture capital investment. So I think in the long term, venture capital investment could stay high, but we could in the short term, especially in 2022, see investment falling. The European Foreign Direct Investment uh, screening mechanism was passed in October 2020. So the year in question that the report looks at, 2021, has been the first full year that the European Foreign Direct Investment Screening Mechanism was in force. How, in your view, has this shaped up? Um, what were the consequences? And also maybe looking at the topics that we discussed before, a slowdown of mergers and acquisitions, a rise in greenfield and venture capital investments. Is that related to, to uh, the European FDI uh, mechanism being in force? Um, so, yeah, so what, we, what we've seen is that um, since the mechanism has come into force, more European member states now have legislation in place that allows them to, to screen for investments. Uh, currently, it's actually 18 member states. That is up from 11 in 2017. And I think all but three member states are planning to have such legislation in place over the coming months and years. What the new legislation on the European level has also provided is greater transparency. In November of last year, we actually had the first annual report about investment into the European Union and how that's shaped up. So this is actually really good for policymakers, but also for us researchers to identify how investment in the European Union is developing. In terms of Chinese investment being affected by the screening measures, it's, it's quite difficult to say because member states don't have to share or make publicly available what sort of projects they are scrutinizing or also blocking. We have in that study included a, a number of uh, publicly known cases of screen Chinese investments. And I mean, this is just anecdotal evidence. They have gone up compared to the previous year. But this is really a partial picture, right? Because it could just be that uh, there have been a greater number of smaller deals rather than one or two large transactions. It could also be that um, certain countries are quite eager to project either openness to foreign investment, including Chinese investment, or quite eager to portray that they are um, taking a quite tough stance and are trying to, as part of their industrial policy maybe as well, trying to protect certain parts of their economy from uh, overseas investment. What we've also seen, though, is that while this is a really important development, 
there's still the possibility that certain um, deals are taking place despite those measures. So in 2021, it, it came to the attention of uh, the Italian government that three years earlier, an Italian drone maker was acquired by multiple uh, Chinese investors, um, a consortium that also included state-owned enterprises. So this is obviously a deal that should have been notified by the company in question and also points to uh, the conclusion that there are still some gaps in the current in enforcement, right? Because ultimately it requires that private companies also cooperate and also lay open who is trying to acquire them and more transparency related to those investments. One final aspect is the focus of Chinese screened investments in Europe. Investment screening had always a traditional focus on critical infrastructure, but also strategic dual-use technologies, including robotics. What we now can see in the period of late 2020 to 2021, that we have especially also technologies, including semiconductors, that are under review, partly because the Chinese government is placing a very high investment onto these sectors, both domestically, but also abroad. And also because this is a sector that is identified by many European member states and the European Union as a sector that is really vital also for the European um, economic competitiveness, um, because semiconductors can be used across different fields. Looking back at all the things we talked about, um, the trends that we highlight, do you think they will continue uh, in 2022? Or do you think there will be a market change? So I think that most of the trends will probably continue. So what we'll see is that um, China will continue to adhere to its um, tight capital controls, which will also dampen overall Chinese investments level in Europe, but also globally. China is also currently undergoing um, quite strict lockdowns in multiple of its um, biggest cities. That will also drag on um, the ability to travel and, and conduct due diligence and, and deals also overseas. So this is basically going to be a drag on Chinese investment flows to Europe uh, for, for this year. However, and we've noticed this uh, in, in this year as well, single large transactions can still happen, right? And these can really change the overall picture. They can basically also lead to temporarily an uptick in investment level, but the overall trend is pointing downward. Additionally, what we can see is that obviously there are increasing tensions in the Europe-China uh, relationship. Um, we've seen that uh, last year, the bilateral in, in agreement on investment, the CAI, was put on ice, uh, partly because of the sanctions that were placed on European stakeholders. We can also see that China's positioning vis-a-vis um, -vis the uh, Russian attack on Ukraine is uh, dampening the bilateral relations between uh, the European Union and, and China. So that's all going to be um, basically a drag on Chinese investment in the European Union. And then finally, we also see that lawmakers in the European Union continue to ramp up regulatory scrutiny of um, FDI in general, which is obviously not directly targeted at China, but has China in mind as one of the main investors. So we've seen, for instance, that the UK already at the beginning of this year has enacted its uh, National Security and Investment Act, and also other European member states continue to devise uh, screening mechanisms. And on top of that, we also see that the European Union in general is um, 
moving ahead with new tools, for instance, the IPI, the International Procurement Instrument, but also um, tools to tackle foreign subsidies. So these could all have an impact on Chinese investment in the European Union. So the overall assessment is currently it doesn't look like there will be an uptick in Chinese investment. It will be quite difficult to really discern any specific sectors uh, that will receive a lot of attention. Probably automotive is going to be one of them because we still have those ongoing greenfield investments into those sectors. But it could still happen that because of one or two single large transactions, the overall picture will change. Well, we'll keep a close eye on Chinese outbound foreign direct investments in Europe. And uh, thank you for your time and your insights, Gregor. Thanks, Johannes. You can read and download the study Chinese Foreign Direct Investments in Europe 2022 update by Agatha Kratz, Max Zenglein, Gregor Sebastian and Mark Witzke on our website. That's all from us. Thank you all for listening. See you next time. Until then, goodbye. You have been listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast from the Makato Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merricks.org.